The reading this morning is from Luke chapter 5, verses 17 to 26. Jesus heals a paralyzed man. One day, while Jesus was teaching some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby, it seemed that these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Some men carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat, they tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd, right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to themselves, Who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And immediately everyone watched. The man jumped up, picked up his mat and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe, and they praised God, exclaiming, We have seen amazing things today. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. I feel I should be uh, preaching on Jesus still in the storm this morning. People often went to extraordinary lengths to encounter Jesus. Zacchaeus climbed up a tree to see Jesus. A woman gate-crashed a dinner party and washed Jesus' feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. A woman, desperate for healing, pushed her way through a crowd just so she could touch the hem of Jesus' clothing. And in today's passage, four men are so desperate to get their disabled friend to Jesus that they make a hole in the roof. And then they lower their friend through it. Now Mark, in his account of the miracle, he tells us that there are actually four men. And he also tells us that this miracle took place in Capernaum. Mark says, Jesus went back to Capernaum, where after a few days, word got around that he was at home. Now, some commentators think that this uh, house uh, was Peter's house. But I quite like Tom Wright's suggestion, uh, and he says that uh, actually this was Jesus' house. So it was Jesus' roof that these four people made a hole in. They vandalized the property of the Son of God. Now, if someone burst through my ceiling, I'm not sure I would have reacted in the same way that Jesus did. I might have uttered a few rude words, and I might not have been quite so quick to forgive their sins. But Jesus 
did not see what they did as an act of vandalism, but an act of faith. And today, as Ray said, we're beginning a, a new series based on Luke's Gospel, which we've called All Eyes on Jesus. And the title of today's talk is, Who Does He Think He Is? So let's just bow our heads in prayer before we look at this passage. Father, as we embark on this journey through Luke's Gospel, some of us come knowing the stories of Jesus very well. In fact, some of us this morning, Lord, don't know those stories. But Father, I pray that as we go through Luke's Gospel, that you will give us fresh eyes, that we will discover something new about Jesus, something surprising, something that might even shock us. But Father, I pray that uh, through this, through the study of Luke's Gospel, that we will come to know you more deeply and to follow you more faithfully. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now verse 20 of our reading says, Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Young man, your sins are forgiven. The NIV translation of verse 20 is slightly different. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. And when I read this uh, in the NIV, three words grabbed my attention. And they were the words faith, friend, and forgiven. So as we think about this passage, I want us to focus on these three words. So first of all, we're told Jesus saw their faith. So what can we learn about faith from these four men? Well, firstly, was, there was an expectancy about their faith. These men had an expectation that if they got their friend to Jesus, he would heal him. Now the question is, where did this expectation come from? Why did they believe this? Maybe they'd heard stories and rumors about Jesus. Maybe they knew somebody who had been healed. Or perhaps they'd heard Jesus preach and seen him heal people for themselves. Now whatever the reason, they were determined to get their friend to Jesus even if that meant making a hole in the roof and lowering him down. So the question for us this morning is how can we develop this kind of faith, this expectancy that Jesus can make a difference in our lives and make a difference in the lives of others? Well, one way we can develop this kind of faith is by engaging with the stories of Jesus as they're recorded in the Gospel. And one way we can do that is to read through one of the Gospels, perhaps in one sitting, or read several chapters in one go. Now Mark is the shortest Gospel, but why not get ahead of the game with our sermon series and read through Luke's Gospel? Perhaps set aside some time to read quite large chunks of it, so we get the, the general flow of the story of Jesus. 
But I want to share with you a particular way of reading the Gospels. And some of you may be familiar with this method. It's called Lectio Divina. It's not a new method. It dates back to the 16th century and a man called Ignatius of Loyola. And he was a soldier and he was injured in battle and he spent several months in a monastery recovering. And there were not many books for him to read. They didn't have the latest Lee Charles or John Grisham available. Uh, they didn't have Netflix. So he was, spent a lot of time on his own and uh, he had two books. One was The Life of the Saints and he also had The Gospels. Now, he wasn't a particularly uh, godly man, in fact, just the opposite. But as he began to read the gospel accounts of Jesus, and he used his imagination to enter into the stories, he found himself being drawn to Jesus. And he became a follower of Christ. He later formed the Jesuits and wrote a book called The Spiritual Exercises, which is all about how we can develop our relationship with Jesus and grow in faith. And in the book, he recommends using our imagination to enter into the gospel stories so that we can encounter Jesus. So today's reading, the story of Jesus healing the paralyzed man, is perfect uh, for us to do that with. And on the back of the notice sheet, I've suggested some ways in which we can do that. So we might imagine ourselves sitting in the house, listening to Jesus, when suddenly bits of the ceiling start falling around us. So how does that make us feel? How do we respond to that? And how do other people around us respond? Or we might imagine that we're one of the four men bringing a friend to Jesus. What expectations do I have? Or we might imagine that we're the man lowered to the roof and we hear Jesus talking directly to us. Friend, your sins are forgiven. And as we meditate on this, as we seek to enter into the, the story, we then perhaps turn to prayer or to, to worship. So the details are there. You can do that individually or uh, you might want to do that as a, as a life group. But it's one of the ways in which we can encounter Jesus in the pages of Scripture. So we're reading not with our head, but with our heart. Now the second thing we can learn about faith from these four friends is that our faith can have an impact on others. Family members, friends and neighbours. Now, it's interesting to note that Jesus responds to the faith of the four men who lower their friend through the road. We're not told that the paralyzed man had any faith at all. Now, I find this incredibly encouraging. Perhaps the people we are praying for, that we're concerned about, maybe they have no faith at all. But perhaps we're praying for them to come to know Christ so we're praying for their healing and we're praying that they would encounter Jesus 
And the example of these men shows us that Jesus can bring healing and forgiveness and blessing into other people's lives because of our faith. Now, I came across a sermon um, by C.H. Spurgeon, that great Baptist preacher of the 19th century. And uh, he preached on this passage, and he, and he called his sermon, Carried by Four. And in the sermon, he talks about the power of four people united to pray for one person. And he talks quite quaintly about the, the idea uh, that each, uh, each person takes the corner of the mat carrying the person to Jesus. And uh, he, he says that, uh, he goes on to, uh, to say this. I've altered the, the quote slightly. He says, when four true hearts are set upon the spiritual good of a person, their holy hunger, hunger and their holy hunger will break through stone walls and house roofs. I guess it's a bit like the idea about the, the, the house of, houses of prayer. But what difference it might make if, uh, you know, four of us got together to pray for a mutual friend or a family member, each taking a corner of the mat. And then we read, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, young man, your sins are forgiven. The Greek word is anthrope, and it basically means a man, a human being. And Jesus here is recognizing this man's humanity, his dignity, created in the image of God. Now, I don't know how long this man had been paralyzed. Luke doesn't tell us. Our translation refers to him as a, a young man, but we don't really know. But this condition had become who he was, his identity. That's how he saw himself. And perhaps that's how other people saw him. In fact, Luke describes him as a, a paralyzed man. We don't know his name. But this was not how Jesus saw him. And sometimes we have to get beyond the labels that people attach to others and see people with the eyes of Jesus. Now, other translations of verse 20 have Jesus saying, friend, your sins are forgiven. And there are a number of different ways in which the New Testament describes us as Christians, as followers of, of Christ. We're called disciples, children, sons and daughters of God, saints. But I wonder if we talk enough about the idea that Jesus calls us friends. In John's Gospel, just before his arrest, Jesus spends some time with his disciples in the upper room. And he says to them, you are my friends if you do what I command. And he goes on to say that, um, you're my friends, I've confided in you. I've shared how I feel with you. I've shared myself with you. And he goes on to, to tell them that um, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. Jesus is the one who initiates the friendship. It's Jesus who comes towards us with open arms to welcome us. 
So I wonder this morning, how do you respond to Jesus calling you friend? And in fact, Jesus values that friendship so much. He gave his life for us, for me, for you. In John 15, 13, Jesus says, There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. And this is what Jesus did. He laid down his life for us. And that leads us to our final word. Friend, your sins are forgiven. Now this is not how forgiveness should work. Certainly that's not, uh, certainly that's what the religious leaders thought. Who does Jesus think he is? Only God can forgive sins. And only after the appropriate sacrifice has been made and the religious rituals involved, observed. Now, there's many things that we could say about forgiveness this morning. And it uh, deserves a sermon just to itself. But I want quickly to observe just a couple of things. Forgiveness is all about grace. Jesus freely, unconditionally forgives the man. The man doesn't ask for forgiveness. He doesn't confess his sin. But Jesus recognizes, like, like all of us, we need forgiveness. Now, we might find Jesus' spontaneous act of forgiveness shocking. The Bible talks a lot about repentance and confession of sin. And Jesus himself urged people to repent. But we must not lose sight of the truth that our forgiveness, our salvation, our healing, our restoration, does not depend on how thorough our confession is or how deep our repentance is, or whether we promise in the future to do better. There's an old hymn, I'm sure that many of you know, called Rock of Ages, and it has this line. Could my tears forever flow, or could never sin erase, thou must save, and save by grace. So forgiveness is always about grace. We don't earn our forgiveness. And finally, forgiveness has the power to change people. This man was carried to Jesus. He went home carrying his mat. He came to Jesus helpless. He left praising God, a new life ahead of him. Forgiveness breaks the power of sin in our lives because a lot of the power of sin comes from guilt and condemnation. And this is why forgiveness is at the heart of salvation. Now the Greek word for salvation used in the New Testament is sozo. And it means, among other things, healing, wholeness, restoration. So this man experienced God's sozo. He was spiritually healed by the forgiveness of his sins. He was physically healed by the command of Jesus. 
and he was restored to his community. He picked up his mat and went home, ready to live out his new life. And it's in the context of his home, his community, that he was to live this new forgiven life, this restored life. So let's just bow our heads in prayer, perhaps just as we respond to this, uh, to this passage. Perhaps there's uh, some of us here this morning who just need to hear Jesus say, friend, your sins are forgiven. Perhaps there's some of us who need to hear Jesus calling us, friend, How do we feel about that? Perhaps we feel unworthy. But Jesus welcomes us this morning. Perhaps this morning we have particular people on our hearts, people that we are praying for, people that we're coming alongside. And perhaps that image from Spurgeon, perhaps as we just wait before the Lord, we just imagine ourselves with uh, one corner of the mat, bringing that person that we're, that's on our heart to Jesus. And perhaps seeing in our imagination Jesus speaking to that person, bringing his resurrection life, his healing, his comfort, and his encouragement. Father, we thank you that you forgive us and you welcome us. And Father, I pray that we will live out that forgiven life, that resurrection life, in our homes, in our community, in our neighborhood. And Father, give us faith for our family members, for our friends, for our neighbors, that we might see them encounter Jesus. We ask this in your name and for your glory. Amen.